This week we're going to be thinking about strategic direction. In particular, how do we decide as a school what our priorities are going to be? Why are these our priorities? How do we put them into place? And how do we ensure we involve the whole organisation in achieving these? Later in the episode, I will also be giving you an insight into my first school tour and sharing what I've learned from this. If you haven't worked in a school or education, I imagine that your perception of the sector comes from what you'll have read, and largely this will be based on exam results. These are certainly a measure of success, but in actual fact, what do schools do from September to July when the results are published? Nowadays, if you look on any school website, you will notice that they have vision and mission statements, much like you would find in a business. These will share what the school hopes to achieve, so this could be helping children to flourish, making sure that they reach their potential, and also it would speak about the sorts of people that they hope to produce. Producing of people seems like an unusual phrase, but I think it captures what we try to achieve in schools. If a child stays in the same school from reception to year six, the school plays a significant part in the child's development. As well as the lessons they attend and the experiences they have, the school will play a significant part in shaping children's character. Typically then, the school's mission statement will also refer to values that they hope to instill in the pupils. These may include curiosity, independence, resilience, and many others. What is referred to as a school development plan, or SDP, is put in place to guide the school towards achieving these aspirations. The school development plan sets out the main priorities that the school hopes to achieve during the academic year. We often speak about the journey that pupils go through during their time at school, but the school itself is on a journey, and this is towards fulfilling its vision. If exam results, behaviours, attitudes, or even well-being aren't quite where we'd like them to be, we know where we should put our focus for the year. Now, some of these areas lend themselves more naturally towards evaluation. If we look at tests and exams, Pupils in primary school will have three key data collection points. When they arrive in reception, a baseline is taken. Three years later, exams are sat at the end of Key Stage 1, and then four years after that, exams are sat at the end of Key Stage 2. Previously, primary attainment was measured in levels, but now it is measured in stages. Pupils are either working towards the expected standard, at the expected standard, or working beyond the expected standard. In setting achievement goals then, should our priority each year not just be to increase the number of pupils reaching the expected and beyond the expected standard? This sounds like a move in the right direction, but there is more to it than just that. School data each year is compared to the national average, and schools are often measured in something called value-added. This is where we measure the impact that the school has had on the pupils' progress. You may think that it would sound great if every child in your school reach the expected standard or an exceeding standard and it would but it really depends on where they started from if you had a group of pupils who were exceeding in reception and then at the end of year six reached expected this would not be the same as pupils moving from working towards the expected standard to achieving at the expected standard this latter group has progressed from their starting point and so we would say that the school has added value Another consideration is to consider specific groups of pupils and to compare how well they perform against the average. Imagine if you had 92% of pupils reaching the expected standard. You would think that this was a great figure, but actually you would need to look at the 8% 
is the 8% made up of a high proportion of pupils with special educational needs or a high proportion of pupils from an ethnic minority background? If this is the case, we might think that not every child at the school has a fair chance of succeeding. In setting a school priority based on exam results then, we try to be specific about which groups we are aiming to improve. We might realise, for instance, that of those 8% not reaching the expected standard, 90% are from an impoverished background. So the following year, our goal would have to be to raise the attainment of this group compared to their peers. Meanwhile, we are also keeping an eye on those factors that might not be as measurable. How much do pupils enjoy lessons? How do they present in class? What is their behaviour for learning like? And crucially, are they happy at school? This year, having set the priorities for the school, I got to thinking about how we would achieve these. For me, it was important to get buy-in from the staff, to involve the whole organisation, and to make it very clear how we would know if we had been successful. An exercise I undertook with the staff was to take a step back and to unpick several of the objectives. Rather than jumping in with how we would achieve them, we talked about why they were priorities. So for instance, if we said that we wanted to increase the number of pupils reaching the expected standard in reading, we talked about why this was important. What is it about being able to read that we as a staff value? This led to an interesting discussion around how many school subjects actually rely on an ability to read. And actually, how heavily later in life as adults we rely on our ability to read. By discussing why our goals are important, we gave them a purpose and I hope that this will help us achieve them. The importance of the whole organisation being involved is perhaps best explained by sharing the story of President Kennedy's visit to the NASA space station in the early 1960s. As legend has it, President Kennedy asked the janitor why he was working so late, to which the janitor replied, Mr President, I'm helping to put a man on the moon. It is my hope that everyone in my organisation feels that they are contributing to the success of every child. As mentioned at the beginning of the episode, this week I had the pleasure of giving my first school tour. In the past, when giving tours, I've typically dived straight into showing the parents around the school. With this tour, I decided to take a different approach. When the parents arrived, I invited them into my office for a chat before we had a look around the school. I realised that it was important to get a sense of what the family were looking for in a school and also how far along their journey towards finding a school were they. Some families have a very clear sense of what they're after, whereas some might not have actually set foot in a school since they themselves attended school. I also find it interesting to hear a little bit more about their child and what they hope their child grows up to be like. In that way, I can give an honest assessment of whether I think our ambitions and values match each other. I always try to be very honest with parents and would tell them if I thought that our school was not the right fit. I explain to the parents how I would pick a school if I were in their shoes and then I aim to give them a clear, honest and detailed impression of what it would be like for their child were they to attend my school. Something that I think is really important for children and families is having a calm start to the morning. I share with parents that typically the children who are happiest when they first arrive are those who have got a well-established routine. 
This can often be influenced by journey time. And I explain to parents that it helps if the school is local and the child is able to walk to school. This means that as a family, they always know how long it's going to take them and so there are no surprises in the morning. The other thing that's important is the sense the family get from walking around the school. Could they see their child here? Could they see their child being happy here? This will go a long way towards helping the parent feel relaxed and being confident that they have selected the right school for their child. Finally, I confide that I see it as a real compliment and privilege if of all the schools they have available, they choose to send their child to mine.